Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot, bang, done. Oh, down to miss, I couldn't do it. The Austin, I couldn't do it. Look at me now. Look at me. Oh, if you could just see the hair standing up on my arm. Full body chills for the last 24 hours. Pound for pound, what? Look at me now. Print the shirts. Leon Edwards on top of the world. So glad to be with you today. Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Episode 362 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Ken Flo is back stateside. We are chasing the clock already. Holy piss, bro. Holy piss, Leon fucking Edwards, huh? Unfreaking believable. You know, just when you think you, you might know a little bit about the sport, the sport just twists things and puts it on its head and uh, reminds you that this is the greatest sport in the world. And you never know what's going to happen in a real fight. man. it's just it's unbelievable. You know that I can be prone to hyperbole, even if I don't love the greatest of all time conversation. But let us just set this up contextually, because Kamar Usman was 56 seconds away from a, from a 20th consecutive win in modern day mixed martial arts and a 16 and 0 start in the UFC, tying Anderson Silva's record for most consecutive wins in UFC history. And Leon Edwards, uh, you know, saved his uh, his best shot for last after a pretty listless pedestrian middle round sequence through two, three and four for Leon. Oh, Ray Longo's already with us. So, uh, you know, Ken Flo's going to kick off the analysis, but <laughs> God damn it, we're not going to throw Ray Longo right into our opening segment here. I mean, we'll let him get his headset uh, together here. But Ken Flo, your thoughts ultimately on uh, on Leon pulling victory from the jaws of defeat. You know what the main concern for me was was. When he started talking about not only going up one way class, but two way classes, and I said, anytime, you know what that really means? That means that a champion doesn't believe that 
there's a challenge in his weight class anymore. And that was a big time concern. How many times have we seen that? And, and I'm again, Camaro is an absolute beast, a great champion, always will be, might be the champion again, right? But when I started hearing that, I, I was very concerned. And may, maybe it wasn't going to happen this fight, but maybe it was going to happen the next fight. Um, that, that didn't bode well for, for me when I was hearing that kind of conversation. I just want to interject for a minute there because it's not as though Ken Flo is saying it impacts his preparation, but mentally, right? You feel yes. so forged that not a man can beat you. And perhaps, you know, that allows for a window of opportunity, right? It's not as though he's putting in fewer hours in training per se. Right. He just didn't necessarily think that Leon Edwards was the better man in any way, shape or form. Raymond Longo, big weekend for you, but uh, we have to start with Leon Edwards. I mean, can you believe this guy from everything that he was, you know, tested with in his life, you know, living with no means in Jamaica, you know, mother had him at 15 and um, look at him now, huh? Look at Leon Edwards now. Yeah, great, great backstory. And just, uh, you know, I got to spend a little time with him and his team at like the press conference. They seemed just like salt to the earth, great people. Couldn't be happier for a guy. But I got to tell you, man, watching that fight, like in the fifth round, like I can't, he just looked off. I do believe when he says that was the worst Leon Edwards, I do believe him because I was in the back going, I just can't believe he's just not pulling the trigger. Like what's he waiting for? And he didn't look like he's reacting good. And then the next thing you know, same side, same kick, boom, knockout and it's over. So he got it done and uh perfect technique. If you had to even explain the way you do that technique, Kenny, yes. you get that hand coming over to parry that punch and the kicks right there. A lot of guys can't do it. They don't have the flexibility to bring that leg up right behind the hand, but that was executed. Absolutely perfect. And more important, the corner advice, the cornering of Leon Edwards, I believe saved him in that fight because they didn't mince words in that corner. Yeah. And they they lit a fire under that guy's ass. The same thing. I swear to God, I would have would I would have been berserk at that point. Yeah. And they right. did it. And it wasn't like, you know, I hear technical. Okay, it's good to tell the guy to get up or to do this. But you got no. You know what to do. The guy knows what to do. Like I tell you, if you got if you tell a guy to get up, and you got to explain to him how to get up. Right. You didn't do your job in training camp. I guarantee you. These guys know what to do. They got to be reminded of the small things. You got to be reminded of why are you here? What did you say you were going to do? You know, what happened to that? And I think they did a great job in that corner in between the fourth and fifth round. Oh, yeah. And, and I, he owes those guys a, a little something because I tell you, they guy did not mince words with him at all. And he got the job done, man. So it ended up even being a greater story for that reason. But. If you go to my Twitter page, a lot of that audio from Dave LaBelle has been sort of repurposed yeah. with rock oh, music altogether. It's fucking awesome. Hey, Kepler, so, so, in terms of the kick, yeah, yeah. I need to hear your thoughts on the kick. Oh, that kick was yeah. beautiful and sup. It can't, it can't be any better. There aren't that many welterweights, Kenny, that, that can execute that kick at the highest level. Not yeah. Leon Edwards' chances, you know, in the fight with the box yeah, no, listen, I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I, I think the big thing for Kamara was he was in Leon's best range. Um, I think he got a little overconfident there, thought he was going to be able to land jabs and stuff like that. He's like, oh, let me strike with him for the rest of the round. Right. Um, and Kamara tends to do his best work when he's in tight and when he's up against the cage, right? That's when he's wrestling you. That's where he's using dirty boxing. Um, and he was 
playing around where Leon Edwards is at his best. Um, and, and Leon was switching stances back and forth, but when he's in that southpaw position, you have to watch out for that kick. He was throwing that kick right down the middle. He was investing in the body, um, and it was hard to tell whether he was trying to parry or whether he was trying to fake like he was throwing that left hand. Sometimes that left hand just kind of comes up to, to generate extra power on that left kick. Whatever right. it was, Kamaru right. Usman bit on it. Oh, what well, the replay. You look at the replay, he shifts like he's getting out of the way of the punch and rammed right into that kick, adding that extra power and oomph onto that kick as he lowered that leg down. It was just unbelievable. And to go back to what Ray said about the corner, it was just brilliant stuff. And again, that video that you reposted, John, I reposted as well. Absolute chills on that one. You know, sometimes... And this goes for no matter where you are in your life. Sometimes you need to believe in yourself when nobody else will. And there's other times where you need someone else to believe in you when you don't. And and you had that corner who came in and injected that information at just the right time. Uh, and, And Leon isn't one who, you know, gets all worked up or anything like that. You know, people are talking about him not making eye contact with his corner and stuff. But when they said that, he did make eye contact for that second, and he knew what he needed to do. Um, he didn't go berserk. He stayed within himself. He, he he took the approach of an assassin. He waited for that one shot to the head, and man, did he get it. Yeah, and let me add uh, – oh, what else did I want to add to that? Oh, yeah, the other thing is why Camaro felt comfortable with him is because nothing much was going on. He should have felt comfortable with him. He kind of, yeah, I mean, right, if that right. if that was a game plan to lull him to sleep to that, the guy did an excellent job. I don't think that was the case, but that's why he felt comfortable, Kenny. Nothing was really going on. Well, he right. Should have, he should have felt comfortable. He was cruising to an, another victory. He really was way ahead right. in that fight. The guy looked like he had no chance. I mean, some of his reactions were so slow to me. I was like, man, I don't know if it's the altitude. I don't know what happened, right. but... I do believe him when he's – I think he said at the press conference that was like the best Camaro. If that's the best Camaro and that, that's the worst me, I, I'd be I'd make him a big favorite in the second fight because I, I believe what I was looking at didn't look right for a, a variety of reasons. But power to him with that kick, I w- man. Beautiful. I would say absolutely there was a reason for him to feel comfortable, but you should never play to the strength of your opponent. Exactly. In my opinion. No yeah. question about it. No, yeah. no, no. I'm just trying to – interject what the mindset might have been and you know sure. and, and yeah. then kenny it could be a tactic you know it's almost right. like what cheeto does he just stays the course he's steady eddie yeah. steady eddie you can't get rid of him and then next thing you know you're out it's almost the same totally Crazy. different different technique but same thing happened to cruz he but was playing with fire right i mean leon playing Edwards with fire without it away from you know, being frosted I, with red and maybe yes. not getting another championship opportunity yes. and uh you know it's interesting that, you know, coaches can be critical and Dave Lavelle certainly should be revered today and the entire coaching staff, all of them, all of them, right. Um, But broadcasters, right. Who are paid to be critical somehow can't be analytically critical, right. When Leon Edwards is largely listless for three rounds, you know, you know, I feel like I'm being given, you know, maybe undue credit for a line that I had about, you know, sort of pulling it back because Leon isn't cut from a cloth of a guy who would be happy with a moral victory, right? But I think ultimately the broadcast was critical and that just dovetailed with his corner that was lighting him up to try to get him in the fight. You know, there were times where Leon 
wasn't engaging back with his corner. Kenny wasn't looking them in the yeah. eye. And I'm, I'm curious to hear Leon explain it uh, because man, if he's fighting Kamara in a trilogy fight in his home country, without altitude and everything else, um, and with the value of these 24-plus minutes. I'm excited to see what Leon can do in the third meeting. Yeah, I agree. Listen, I, I think there, there's every fighter's different also. Um, you know, Leon Edwards doesn't strike me as the guy who gets, like, super hyped up. Um, even after his round against Usman, where he won that first round, uh, he kind of had that same attitude a little bit. But, yeah, there were some concerns in between those middle rounds for sure. Uh, and and his his corner is going to know him best, but it didn't seem like he was responding to me. It definitely came across at least as frustration of what he was trying to do and what he wasn't able to accomplish. But um, still, overall, I, I thought he was doing great. He just wasn't able to really stop Usman from implementing that game plan. And to me, he just looked really frustrated. Was he given up? You know, was he defeated at that point? I, I think that might have been a little strong, but. Um, I don't know. It's just a fantastic fight, man. I, there's there's so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple other things. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, and John, I just wanted to, you know, it was after Marab's fight. So the Rockhold fight, I kind of missed. I was in the back watching. I saw bits and pieces while it was like returning text messages, that type of deal. And yeah. this fight, I wasn't totally, we were doing interviews. So I, I you know, I, I was kind of frustrated watching the fight, but I wasn't watching the whole fight. So I didn't even hear the corner work up until the end yeah. of the of the fight so to me it was like a perfect scenario you know that i yeah. felt they were feeling the same frustrations i was watching the fight because yeah you know like again spent a little time and he's a chill guy he's not yeah. so the cornering thing he he reminds he's similar to aljo aljo i'm not gonna rile aljo up in the corner you could see even when i was screaming look at the guy you know like trying to get him going he's just chilling those those guys are a little different you got to know yeah. your guy yeah. That, yeah. that's the thing the coaches know who they're coaching yeah like everybody else interjects i've had guys break down my guys the way they i don't even know what the fuck they're talking about Kenny. sometimes <laughs> right. you know right. i swear to god exactly. like, it, it is unbelievable to me i'm like yeah. wow these motherfuckers they're just searching yeah. for something yeah. to yeah. say you know, all right. I have a lot of different notes on this fight. And if you guys don't think these things are relevant, then we can move on because Ray, I don't know how much time you have today, but we're, we got to spend a lot of time on this fight before we even get to your I'm, guy. I'm, uh, I'm good. All right. Ken Flo, Herb Dean separated the fighters in a clinch situation with just over two minutes to go in the fight. And Joe Rogan, you can hear audibly on the broadcast says what's happening here because it seems so premature, right? That might be neither here nor there. It's not as though, you know, the stoppage happened like 15 seconds thereafter, but I did find it interesting. I would also submit to you, Rashad Evans said to me after the fight that, you know, Kamaru kind of took his foot off the gas. And I thought it was kind of the opposite of that. But in this final sequence, Ken Flo, on a night on which Usman was pressing forward most of the night, he was retreating. DC picked this up on the broadcast. In that final moment, he was moving back a little bit. Uh, what do you have for us on any of that? Yeah, listen, I think that um, it was a little bit of a miscalculation, and I think he allowed Leon Edwards to play uh, his best game. Um, it's going to be a reminder. We are human. We make mistakes. In regards to the Herb Dean thing, um, you know, I don't. To me, what was what was kind of justified was the fact that they were in a clinch where neither guy really was going to have an advantage. They were kind of stalling there a little bit. Um, they were in a position where uh, I think they were kind of locked up, so they weren't trying to punch. 
They were just kind of holding each other. No one was really going for a takedown. No yeah. one was really doing anything. In those cases, that's when I say it's okay. It's okay to break them up. And I'm a grappler, right? Um, but at the same time, we want to see action. We want to push action. Um, and, but is that responsible for Kamaru Usman's mistake of getting knocked out? No. Um, so, yeah. Hey, uh, Cody's pointing out that Anthony Smith on the post show, uh, talked about, you know, a lot of left leg kicks over four rounds, but a lot of them low from Leon and then maybe, you know, sort of saving some of the high stuff for late, you know, I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It's all very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like for Kamaru, like he just, it just so happened that in that moment, that seminal moment, he happened to be backing up, you know, but I don't know that he took his foot off of the gas. Yeah. You know, I did keep thinking all night as I was sitting in my hotel room that this, this just would not happen to Israel Adesanya, you know, and I'm not saying it's a fight IQ thing or an overconfidence thing necessarily. Um, but you got to manage risk in a title fight a little bit. And um, I don't know, Kenny, I think it sort of dovetails with what you said off the top about this underlying fearlessness with, uh, with Usman. He just doesn't, uh, doesn't fear that anybody can hurt him. And now obviously that changes. Yeah. Let me jump into it for two. It's not going to happen to Israel Adesanya because his stand-up is his thing. Well, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like Camaro, the danger you have with Camaro is he is falling in love with his hands now. He said it. I'm not just a wrestler. So I want to implement all parts of my games. But Kenny knows that takes a long fucking time, man, to get really comfortable. And it could happen to Israel, but it's not going to happen like, you know, like in that. It, you know, anybody could get caught. It does, This doesn't take away from Camaro is still a great champion. Maybe one of the greatest champions at that weight class, but it's not taking away anything. But he made a really bad mistake. Yeah. He overparried that punch and put his head right into Leon's shin, and that's the way it's supposed to be in a perfect situation. And he got yeah. caught with it. So yeah, it, it, Adesanya is going to have the awareness and other attributes that he's not going to bite on that. Yeah, and you know Usman, like again, he's fallen in love with his hands, but. That doesn't come overnight, and that doesn't come in a year or two. It takes a long time, you know. So, right, right. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Um, I, I remember when I fought um, Dokano Jonsuke Mishima in, in a UFC fight night. I was kicking his legs. He could barely walk. He was uh, to the point where he was just kind of falling to his guard in round three, and I was like, I got this guy. I, I started feeling bad for him a little bit, and I started thinking that he was not a threat. I stuck my leg in his guard and he ended up sweeping me and almost breaking my knee. I remember he had me in the knee bar and I remember thinking to myself that if he gets this knee bar, I'm going to let it break because this was my mistake. And yeah. I ended up getting out and I was so pissed that I ended up getting, I ended up winning by rear naked choke or whatever, but like it, it happens. It happens. Think, oh, this guy's uh, done. You disrespect your opponent. The moment you do that is when you're susceptible um, and, and you only kind of make those mistakes once. You know. Yes, I agree once. with that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that too. I think if he could have gotten, like, if that kick wouldn't have landed flush, he would have never made that mistake again. You know. Yeah. So I, I agree with that also. You, you're learning as you're going. But that was, if you really go back and look at that, that that if you're going to teach somebody how to do that, I'm pulling that clip up. This is what you're looking for. Oh, so Usman on the feet. Very good jab, at least in my amateur opinion, you know, but it's a lot about power and pressure. And at media day, Kenny, Leon Edwards said, Kamar Usman striking is shit. He said, me and my team, we really don't think that his technique is good. 
What do you guys think about that? Well, well, well let me just say one thing, too. Again, I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to try and make this simple, right? Looking good on the pads doesn't mean that you're going to be looking good in the fight. That's the first thing, right? Kamaru's good. He's not bad. I'm not going to agree with that, but he's not at Leon Edwards' level of kickboxing right now, period. Does that mean he can't knock Leon Edwards out? Definitely not. Right. It's MMA. Stroy's a right. strong guy. He throws hard. He had him up against the cage. He was unloading on him. The guy was rolling with most of the punches, what I saw in the first round anyway. And again, I didn't concentrate on the whole fight. But uh, no, he, his stand-up is okay. But there's a big difference between looking okay and literally internalizing it. You know what I mean? Like you, you see guys that fought for a while, they just instinctively always do the right things. Even if it's a little slower as they yes. get older, instinctively they do the right things. I'm not sure Camaro's at that point, but he understands it, and he's where it's a work in progress, without a doubt. And he looks pretty good, but Leon is is more of a calculated. He's going to walk into punches like he did yeah. before. That's what was surprising me when he wasn't pulling the trigger. It was frustrating, as I'm sure it was frustrating to his corner. But you know, there's guys that you know, like uh, Engano. He, he, he doesn't have to slip and rip. He just punches right sure, through whatever sure. you have. You know what I'm sure. saying? That's not technical. The guy's just a big, strong guy. Yeah. Imagine imagine him, technical. Kenny, yeah. he's moving his head, and then like a Tyson. No, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Yeah, no, no, get, get me the fuck out of here. Right? Uh, I, but, I, think Ray's, I think Ray's spot on on that as well. You know, I, I think um, the other reason why, why Usman is effective as a striker is because he's so damn good as a wrestler. Guys a are so ready for the takedowns and so worried about the takedown. Their hands start to drop or, you know, they, they're, they're waiting. Their, their, their offense yeah. shuts down or they're striking and they don't expect Usman to land that one, two, like he does, you know, like, yeah. um, I, I think he's not throwing anything crazy, you know, jabs and crosses. That's how he knocked out Gilbert. That's how he knocked out Masvidal. Um, yeah. You know he's he's a he's a massive welterweight. Those guys are blown up lightweights, really. If we're being honest, yeah. Um, so he's getting knockouts, but um, it's nothing crazy. Is Leon Ed Edwards a much much better striker? Absolutely. Is yeah, Uzman no a bad striker? No, no, definitely not. Hundred percent. No, no, no. And again, that's the beauty of MMA because you could get a guy with decent hands that has great wrestling. And it's going to yes. make him look like he has great hands, you right. know? So that's what I love about the sport. And that's what you have to navigate through as a fighter. All right. We'll get into a third meeting and all the Kamar Usman stuff as well as he sort of walks back into his new life. But in an effort to put this singular win into context, I'll start with you, Kenny. I have to do this. I have to do this, right? Because, you know, I've been privileged to sit in that seat for 11 years. And certainly for me, this feels like the singular biggest win in UFC history when you combine all factors. Now, most people would submit to you that prior to last night, that Holly Holmes win over Ronda Rousey in 2015 was like the biggest single win in UFC history. There have been a lot of moments. I mean, Longo could make a case for Matt Serra over George St. Pierre. But what Kamar Usman was chasing last night, that Anderson Silver record, 20 consecutive wins, a sixth title defense, you know, further distancing himself. He had already left George St. Pierre's welterweight record in the distance. I don't know. For me, when I combine all factors, this feels like as big a win as I have witnessed in UFC history. Um, do you think that's fair to say or, or do I sound like the promotion cuts my check and I'm trying to build a third meeting? 
You know, I, I think it, I think it's a big upset. You know, I think it's a decent upset. But I, I do think that Leon Edwards had a skill set that was really fucking good and was not respected as much as people should have been. I think there's a bunch of things going on. If I were to put this in perspective, and and Ray could probably associate with this back in the day when Sarah upset GSP. Um, you know, renegade MMA or renegade jiu-jitsu is not on the map, okay? Yeah. We don't give enough respect to that team. We don't give enough respect to the fighters out of the UK. Maybe that's warranted. Maybe it's not. Leon Edwards was coming into this with a 10-fight unbeaten streak. He's good on the ground. He's good on the feet. And clearly did his homework with his wrestling. He's been wrestling his ass off. That is clear. There was some high-level shit going on that no one else who comes from wrestling backgrounds was able to do against someone like Kamaru Uzma. Um, he kept getting denied a shot at the title. Uh, they, he was being uh, criticized by you know the UFC and others for not talking enough. No one knows who you are. He was clowned by Masvidal. He was clowned by the media because of the three-piece and a soda. How many people said that? Three-piece and a soda. Who is the three-piece and a soda guy? It was Masvidal doing that to Leon Edwards, right? right? Completely disrespected. He came from nothing. He's from a small team in the UK, and he goes out and accomplishes this. That makes it, when you put that all into perspective, but at the same time, we don't know a whole lot about this man because he did he did it the right way. He let right. his fights and his career do the talking. He wasn't out there talking shit, even when he maybe could have and sh and could have gone that route. Um, he's a confident young man who went out there and did it the right way. Um, and it's just amazing. I, I think it's up there. There's no question about it. Based on what Kamara Usman has done, 100%. Yeah. But Leon Edwards has a skill set, man. That is very, very impressive. That is a true mixed martial artist. Kamar Usman is a great fighter. Is he a great mixed martial artist? Maybe not. And, and that doesn't mean you have to be. Khabib Nurmagomedov was not a great mixed martial artist. If we're talking about all the skill sets. But he was unbeaten and no one could figure him out. He was a great fighter. One of the best of all time. Um, Leon Edwards is a great mixed martial arts fighter. And he showed it. I mean, for everything from how he transitioned to the back and defending himself enough out of the guard. And again, that was him at high altitude and maybe uh, yeah. not on his game like his coaches expected him to be. So when you put that in perspective, it's amazing what he was able to accomplish. It's a tremendous monologue by you. And it almost feels like my case is bolstered because I'm certainly yeah. not trying to make the case that this is any great upset in terms of UFC history, even though sure. it was on the betting line. But in terms of the singular nature of this win, if Leon Edwards had won by head kick in round two or round three or by decision, I wouldn't even be saying it. But when I combine right. all of the factors, you know, I think about like what Charles Oliveira has done. And when he broke through and won the title, that's top five for, for me for sure in terms of the biggest wins. Um, but part of that's because of what he's done after the fact that has raised the level of him actually winning the title. Um Man, like I have a new answer now when people ask me, like, what's the most memorable, you know, moment that uh, that you've ever seen in UFC history? It happened at UFC 278. What do you have for us on that, Raymond? No, no, I agree with you on that. Only because it was it was in the bag. That's what made, if he would. Right. But wait, if he would have head kicked him in round two, what would have been the difference? To you for me just that it wouldn't have had that theatrical component to it and Leon wouldn't at that point have 
have had that listless performance right. on the front end, he wouldn't have been dominated. Right, right. So it wouldn't have right, been right, as right. surprising. Yeah, because I think all the other ones that we talk about, Kenny, like Sarah and Holly Holm, they came out of the gate. You kind of right. knew something was going to happen, even when yeah. uh, b- b- what's the name, the Valis, uh, the v- the Vixen uh, who fought uh, Nunes oh, uh, the first, Penny, right? Pen- yeah, Penny. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but you know, you knew from the get go something was different. You knew when Buster Douglas was piecing up Tyson, something was different. The difference with this was he had a great first round, or he had a good first round. And then he just let the fight slip right out of his hands. Yeah. And then while everybody was just about to give up on him, ba-bing, he hits him yeah. and the fight's over. Yeah. And that changes the whole dynamic, I think, of how you look at it. But you, it's going to make it more memorable because it came out of nowhere. And I, I don't think I'll forget it because I remember screaming in the back like a lunatic. Yeah. I want to get to the Usman stuff. We are going to be joined by Nazim Sadikov here in about five minutes so we can celebrate his win and oh, his yeah. UFC contract. And then on the backside of that, Ray, if it's okay, uh, we'll get into uh, may Rob Dwellish. I'm ready to go. Big win over Jose Aldo. But in terms of Usman, Ken Flo, and all the pressure on this athlete now going into this third fight, whenever it is, even if it's not until March or April of next year, you know, He's walking back into his new life the way Ronda Rousey did back in 2015. But this was a vicious, vicious knockout, you know. And uh, I guess I'm just curious as to your thoughts on Usman now as he spins it forward and tries to uh, right this wrong, for lack of a better way to put it. Now, some people are never the same after a knockout mentally, right? Because now their confidence is just completely crumbled. I don't think that's going to be the case with Usman. Now, sometimes... After a knockout, fighters aren't the same physically. That remains to be seen. We don't know. It was a pretty bad one, man. It was it was a devastating knockout. Um, and he's been fighting a long time. Hasn't, hasn't had a lot of damage during fights, though, in my opinion. It's rare that he's ever been hurt in a fight. So that bodes well for him. I don't right. expect that to be an issue, but all it takes is one shot to change everything. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I think Usman's going to be able to battle back from this. I think he's going to be stronger from this. Um, You know, I I think it's also a little bit easier when you did a lot of great things. It's it's more painful in some ways, but it can also be easier when you go, man, I was winning that fight. I was able to battle back from that first round three. I was, you know, a little bit over a minute away from winning that fight. And it was just one mistake. I want to fight this kid again. And I'm going to be perfect this time. So, you know, Usman's going to be back. And I think this doesn't really take away from the kind of fighter that he has or the legacy that he has either. Right. That would right. be silly. He is, he's a great fighter, always will be. Uh, and I think he's going to be back and is going to be a problem for Edwards and everybody else in that division yet again. Yeah, I think, um, ooh, I think, I, I like what Kenny said. I don't think he's taken a lot of damage. Nobody's impervious to getting knocked out like that. But the fact that it was one shot, even though it was bad, I think he'll bode better than like Vincente Luque, who took a sustained beating over three rounds. That is going to be hard to come back from. You know, Kamara, how old is Kamara now? 35? 35. You know, 35, you have some money now, you're happy. I don't know, you know, do you have that burning desire to get up every morning again and do the rebuild or go back to the gym you know he he's at a new gym technically still right a couple of years uh yep 
let's see what happens. I think that's going to be more. He's going to look at his options. Maybe he's not, but he looks like the type of guy that definitely wants to come back. I don't, I don't believe it'll be a, it's, it's all on how he's going to deal with it. Right. Uh, I don't think it'll be a physical factor though. Yeah. Their third meeting is going to be absolutely enormous. Yeah. It remains to be seen as to whether or not it'll be Wembley stadium, but uh, you know, not since Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson has there been a pay-per-view in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, wow. a lot of that's big a, things. That's so a good stat. It's called uh Wakanda arena now. Um, <laughs> is he fucking with me? I don't know. Pop culture. Yes. is going to go right. <laughs> over that. I don't even know the rematch will be in Wakanda. It's from the black Panther. Uh, movie. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. One thing that I was sort of thinking about that Cody just sort of alerted me to in the chat, you know, for you coaches, Ray, right? Like Trevor Whitman on top of the world about 18 yeah. months ago, Nami Yunus, Gaethje, Usman, all with belts, if I'm not mistaken, at the same time. And, uh, you know, just this sport is just absolutely crazy. Like all I, I really want to do on this podcast yeah. today is just sit here and cuss with my friends and like say yeah. nothing articulate or clear and just have it be inane banter. Like literally what's going through my head during this show is Leon fucking Edwards pound for pound. What? Like all I want to do is have Cody just play that <laughs> audio and, you know, yeah. and intersperse the Rocky music yeah. and all of that. But we are going to now welcome into the conversation. Newly minted UFC fighter. Nazim wow. Look Black at that Wolf guy. Patikov. Proudly put Azerbaijan on the map in the UFC. Wow, look at that. Now you got a you got a you got a guy that can pronounce your name, where you come from. Yeah, a lot better than First I can. Try and everything. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, congratulations. I've been trying to get Ray to do that for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. So, uh, my man, before we talk about uh your big win and uh breaking in the UFC contract, as, as a fellow UFC fighter, I just have to get your thoughts on uh that Leon Edwards knockout and uh I would imagine you were watching live. Yeah, I I was just I was shocked just like everybody else. I mean, I already wrote uh, Edwards off just based on his body language on the stool in between the rounds and going into the the, the round. Progressing warrior or so fifth round, I already had it in for Kamaru. I'm already talk, you know, talking to my friends what we're gonna do after, uh, what we're gonna right. eat this right. and that, right. and that right. happens. Yeah, yeah, and that happens. So you can imagine, I was just as shocked as you guys. Absolutely yeah. insane and, moment. Yeah, that's interesting, and right? And yeah, and, and, I, and, and, it, and I'll tell you. Last, it, like, we're actually like walking out during the final. Yeah, minute. yeah, that's right. And John, if you want to see a guy that could do that exact technique to perfection, you're looking at him. Yeah, because he's it. you know how many Doubtful. times do how many times do we do that? I if was so can, excited to see that yeah. because he, uh, Leon, I don't know if he's a natural southpaw, but he definitely switches and he he throws a lot from southpaw. So that was very nice to see. And I'm not somebody that just gets up and walks away and writes fights off. But, I mean, when you're in the final minute, yeah. off of, well, sure. off of, Crazy. Uh, four rounds of straight, uh, I guess you could call it domination, because it was it was one-sided for sure. Yeah. Then, yeah, you'll, you'll, that, that'll, that's a big shock. I mean, that if you would beautiful. put $10 on the live line late in that fight, I can't even imagine what the return would have been. Oh, yeah. I hope I'm not throwing my twin brother under the bus, but, like, the dude, he wasn't fighting the fatigue, but he fell asleep in round four, fucking wakes up. <laughs> he's Leon on a microphone, you know? Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. And if he's done you, the, but that might, be ahead, a great, that might be a great experience, too, where you pass out because you know what the ending is going to be and you wake up and you can't figure it out. That, that might yeah. be it. Even when you saw the footage of his gym in Birmingham, you know, 
I mean, a lot of those folks were just having to be brought yeah. back to life. Of course, it's a much later hour there. All right, but Nazim, let us get into you because uh, a couple of weeks ago it was a big win to finish the puncher ticket to the UFC. Uh, so for this audience, I guess just thoughts on that performance and all the pressure going into it, right? And especially this season because it seems like there's an even more heightened focus on the finish just given how week one went when, you know, largely Dana was unimpressed. So what were your thoughts in terms of what you needed to do going into this fight? I, I think watching week one, automatically there's this added pressure because uh, Dana gets on the stand and he just pretty much rejects everybody that didn't have a knockout. And then week two was one of the most hectic weeks we've ever seen in contenders. And then there was week three, and then I was up at week four this past Tuesday. So as when it first happened, when week one and weeks, week, when weeks one. So, yeah, so when weeks one and two first happened, uh, of course, there was added pressure. But as the weeks went by and as training camp was coming to a close, I think like that pressure just came off. And by the time we were warming up in the locker room, I felt I felt ready to perform like I, I didn't feel any added pressure whatsoever. It felt like just another fight in the regional circuit, to be honest. And Dana being there, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a thing. It was just, I just felt like it was my new job with, with my new boss. And, and that's it. I'm just going to go do a job interview and knowing my style. I didn't really have like added pressure. I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not like a purebred wrestler that has to go out there and start striking more than, than he would like to, or right. I'm not a striker that can't get in somebody's garden and, and land the elbows that I was landing in the first round. So to be honest with you, like there's all the occasion in the world to for for an athlete to have pressure, but I didn't feel it. The closer we got to the fight, I didn't feel it at all. And weight cut week was so smooth. I had Aljo, uh, I had Aljamain around me, Marab, uh, Frivola, and these guys made my life so easy. I just I cut literally like six pounds. We got like we got like a whole ten pounds down uh, from uh, just diet, from just listening to their advice, the water, their water loading protocols. So it was easy. I got down to like 160, made 155, and there was no pressure after that. So you moved to the U.S. pretty young, yes? Yes, I grew up in Brooklyn. How old were you when you moved to the States? Six. I was six when I moved to the States. And Combat Sambo was your first martial art, is that right? Yeah, so uh, in Brooklyn, there's uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people from ex-Soviet Union. So all all the martial arts, like restaurants, school. There's still schools that are, that are in, uh, in in. There's like Russian schools, Turkish schools. There's all. It's like an immigrant city. So I, even though I moved, I pretty much was still training. I was still around people from former Soviet Union. So my my first coach was Ukrainian. My hand to hand combat slash combat sambo coach was uh, this Ukrainian guy. So uh, yeah, I was training with him for, from like from when I moved here, pretty much from six years old. All right, so as you spin it forward for your UFC debut, uh, when would you like that to be? Um, and relative to any short-notice opportunity, uh, will you be staying ready? Because, you know, sometimes you get the higher-profile name uh, with a shorter training camp, three or four weeks even, as opposed to eight. Yeah, I I will definitely be open to that. I do, I do have a few bumps and bruises from the fight. I'm going to recover that. I'm going to Azerbaijan in a few days. And I'm going to start training over there. So pretty much when I come back from pretty much October on, I'll be ready. I would like MSG. That would be ideal. Ooh, yeah. That would be a, that would be a great debut, I think. 
but uh, anything goes. You know, I'm just I'm happy to be in the UFC, and I whenever the fights will happen, however much I will fight uh, yearly, which I hope will be I hope to stay super uh, super active. Uh, I just look to put on good fights. Well, just know that 18 months ago, Ray started dropping the name Nas on the Anakin Florian podcast. So for us, it's nice to finally meet you, especially um, having now gotten that UFC contract. Enjoy the rest of your uh, week, and we will uh, we'll be tracking you pretty uh, pretty closely, my man. Thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Take it the easy, Black Wolf, Azim Sadikov, another team, Sarah Longo. Man, Sarah's a little icy with me. You know, I don't know if it's just the Wait, cannabis. Sarah, he's just all no. over the place. He's icy with me. There's no, no doubt Sarah, about it. Yeah, he, uh, he 100% loves you. And he I don't think it. he could look me in the eye, you know, for a thousand bucks. He does love me, though. Not as much as no, I no, no. I asked, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I asked the guy for a picture. He's looking at me like he wants to fight me, but not no, looking no, in the definitely, eye. No, no, definitely not. I'll tell uh, you right now. He does He does bring up the shirt thing too so much. So weird. Too much, but he did mention a bunch of. He loves you. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna say you're so silly. You're so sensitive silly. because he attacked you on the other thing, and you haven't got over it. <laughs> oh, did he attack Cody? Well, he, well, he didn't. I guess he didn't attack Cody. He communicated with Cody. But no, <laughs> I mean, I'm having a little bit of fun. Obviously, you know. No, I went out um, with him, and I went out with him and Dean Thomas. We had a great dinner. He starts bringing up the shirt thing to Dean. I'm like, what the fuck is about with you? So I go. Weird. I, really I don't, so I don't weird. even want to. I don't want to get into it on here, but it was funny. I go, holy crap! But listen, to have a friend like that is a good thing, right? The guy's always got my back, so but, I get it. I get yeah. it. But but I. I mean, it's so weird for me. I literally have not taken one dollar from Anakin Florian. No, 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 Stop. You see now, so you see what you're doing. So fucking silly, though. It really is, though. Like I just, you I know, don't. Un- Kenny, you don't want to hear good, my explanation. Yeah, yeah you know? Kenny, it's a good position to be in, right? You got a lot of young guys that think you can't defend yourself, man. They, I, I feel blessed with these guys because they, <laughs> they, they come to your defense real quick, man. All of them, everybody. But Sarah, you know what you get with him, man. No I doubt about it. Like, no doubt about it. So in terms of my relative happiness for Leon Edwards, I just sort of wanted to close with that, and then we'll get to Marab and yeah. everything else. Like – I'm just so happy for the guy. Like, I really am. And Kamaru Usman is certainly my closer friend in this equation, right? Kamaru and I go way, way back to 2015. Kamaru's the guy whose cell phone number I have. Um, But I can't profess enough just how happy I am for this individual and what this means for his team, his family, the United Kingdom, Jamaica. Like, it's just a huge, huge thing. So um, if you guys have something on that, uh, I'd love to hear it. Then we'll move on. Oh, look, who doesn't like a Cinderella story, right? Who doesn't like those stories? I mean, uh, and again, not a guy that's in your face, not a guy that's acting like a complete jerk off, not a guy that's getting into trouble. I don't know. We got to embrace these guys more than me. I don't want to, you know, I hate shining the light on guys that are always screwing up and that stand for absolutely nothing. But this kid's got a great backstory. Those guys seem like, again, the little I've got to know of them, all good sense of humor, down-to-earth, humble people. Yeah. Can't be happy for the guy and his team. When did New Yorkers start pronouncing humor with a Y? Like, when did that happen? It's an H <laughs> uh, on the front of that word. It's humor. Ex- explain that to me. No. We don't have time. <laughs> so what? Time. Say, it, say it with a Y. <laughs> say it with a Y, though. Oh, he's got a good sense of humor, you know, a good sense of fucking humor. <laughs> and, that, and that's not a, and that's not a, <laughs> a city you. in Arizona. And What's that's that? not a, that's not an H to you. What you just said. 
No, no. The, the, guy, that, the guy that doesn't even park a car, it's pocket cock-a-ca. Depends how you say it, boss. Yeah, you know, exactly. if the car is at the end of the world, you know, pa- pack your car and have a jazz. Yeah, what is that? What is that? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Mr. All right. So, Mr. Pronunciation, you guys are killing me. So, I did go Marab and not Mayrob because my producer Zach can't be Mayrob. He listened back to the podcast and he was like, You're not going to do this to me with Mayrob. Mayrob. So, (laughs) Marab Dwalish Willie, 29 28 times two and 30 to 27 by unanimous decision over the King of Rio, Jose Aldo Jr. Marab was hanging out in the hotel lobby deep into the night. So I got to congratulate him and tell him that I thought it was 30 to 27, man. Like with respect to the legend and his legendary coach, Andre Pedernaris, I thought this was a clean sweep for you guys. And to win a fight without a takedown against Jose Aldo. Right. Just incredible, man. You got to feel, feel super happy for your guy. I think, look, a great, super happy isn't even a word. Look, against a guy that's still very, very dangerous. What he did in that fight, I'd like to hear what why he thinks he won that fight, why he was pandering to the crowd. I have no fucking clue. Crazy. That guy, look, I could tell you, you guys were talking about it in between the first and second round. I was in a state of shock at how little he did, like a state of shock, because I didn't want Marab to engage in the pocket. Well, we wanted the movement, keep him offset with the fakes, you know, just mix up your variety of things you're doing. And for him to just stand there and do absolutely nothing was was crazy. That's why I said to Marab, pick it up with your strikes. He, he's got so much respect, I guess, for the takedowns. He's not pulling the trigger on anything. That was That was my thought going into the second round. Kenny, at one point, our interpreter, Fabiano, said to our producer, Lappy, in the truck, I'm not sure if this made it to broadcast, but he said that Andre Pedernaris was actually telling Jose Aldo in Brazilian Portuguese to run clock, to kill clock, so much so that our interpreter felt the need to pass that along to the truck. Um, largely, I'm aligned with Ray on this. What were your thoughts on Jose Aldo's performance here against uh, against the boogeyman, Mayrop? Yeah, Ray, it, it was spot on in analysis, and it, Ray was spot on during the fight, what he was telling Marab during the fight um, in between rounds because, to me, yeah, I, it was really shocking. And, and I heard that same thing. They were comfortable. They thought they were winning the fight. Maybe he won the Maybe he won round one just because maybe he was more effective as a striker. Maybe because he landed bigger shots. But, again, that's open to interpretation. But the next two rounds, I thought what was really smart was um, Marab was was threatening with that takedown, and it shut down Jose Aldo striking completely. Um, yes. Now, 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 Marab wasn't uh, effective necessarily with his grappling, right? Um, and he wasn't landing big shots on the feet, but he was clearly staying way busier than Jose Aldo. So that's what it came down to was aggression and you know what you were doing out there. Jose Aldo was throwing nothing towards Marab. How was he going to win that fight? Just by like looking for one big shot? Like that was it. Well, he had a couple of well-timed knees, but Marab was like, it, it did nothing to Marab. Marab it was well-timed. It looked like 100%. it was good. Marab didn't get hurt. He didn't bow over from it. He just kept coming forward. So right. again, I was really perplexed by that approach from Jose Aldo. And here's the thing. And, and, and sometimes they're right. 
is you have a big name like a Jose Aldo and he's won certain fights like that. And you think because you've done that in the past and you're the bigger name uh, and some little guy who's coming up, who's trying to beat you, um, the judges are going to go with the big name fighter. Sometimes that happens, right? That was not the case. That's not the way it should be. Marab did a tremendous job of putting the pressure on Jose Aldo. That's how you win the fight. I wasn't sure of how successful he's going to be takedown wise, but I knew he was going to be busier and he did it from the clinch. He was nonstop with knees and it just shut down Jose Aldo completely in order to beat Jose Aldo. And this is something I try to figure out. I wasn't as effective as, you know, Marab in this case, but you have to back him up. It shuts down his kicks, which is a huge part of his offense. And if you get him up against the cage, it's going to take a lot of that sting and speed away from him. You make well, the is- cage small, you pressure him, and you and you stay on him. That's exactly what Marab did. Uh, and, and it was brilliant. And, and I agree. You know, Jose Aldo is still a problem for so many guys out there. One of the most skilled fighters, not in the division, one of the most skilled fighters in the UFC, period. You yeah. add the experience factor onto that, um, and that's a problem. Where he failed, though, was was in uh, strategy uh, and maybe intelligence a little bit in this fight. I think he was kind of outsmarted here. Yeah, maybe maybe we should have told Marab, why, why don't you go out and box with him for the yeah. first time? Right, why right. would you? Why yeah, would like, he play to that strength? Like, are you out yeah. of I mean... But he looked for one big shot, and then before you know it, the round's over. He's getting exactly. pushed around. Exactly. And he, he said he was going to go forward to win the fight. This is what he said. Going to go forward and be aggressive. Not zero. Right. Marab chased the guy around the ring in the third round. Walked him around the ring. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, I, no. I, I, again, just, I, think, I think it speaks to how good Marab is. You I, know? And, and I'm telling you, I was in shock on how little he did. I did not anticipate that at all. I thought he'd come out guns blazing. He when was Rose waiting, 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 waiting. For what? When Rose watches back that fight against Carla Esparza, that second one, and obviously at this point she has, she was enlightened to the fact that she was, you know, grossly inactive. And I do think for Didi and for Aldo, Ken Flo, you know, they're going to watch this back and uh, have some regret and maybe – I don't know. It's just really mind numbing, right? Really yeah. mind numbing, especially that third round. But hey, I mean, the story's but your at, guy. But at that point, yeah. though, he's already tired, right? Because that's what we wanted to do. Wear him out against sure. the cage. If you can't get him down, you don't have to expend a lot of energy. He stayed busy with the knees. I don't give a shit what guy thinks that the guy wasn't doing damage. Any of those fucking numbnuts go up against the cage. I get guaranteed, Kenny, after three knees in the leg, they're fucking begging for mercy, yeah, right? And, and he good, took good about luck. 20. Yeah. And how many people out there in the world that could say that they could shut down yeah. someone with the offensive yeah. skills of a yeah. Jose? It's just, uh, but, you know, more than anything else, I think Jose Aldo thought that just by stopping takedowns, he was winning that fight. And the reality is, no, that was not the case. Marab was staying busy with knees. Without a doubt. away consistently. Um, and, and I agree, John. I think they're going to go back and watch that fight. And I think if they're being honest with themselves, they're going to yeah. go, we fucked up. Yeah, they didn't want to, he didn't want to take the chance of gassing out either. Yeah. Right? So he just stood there getting need, yeah, need, right, need. Right. And that yeah. was, the, like, again, horrible, horrible game plan. You can't expect to, uh, anybody that thinks he won that fight is an absolute moron. 
Jose Aldo could have bided his time and potentially gotten a championship opportunity, right? He was given a shot at the vacant Bantamweight title against Piotr Jan, coming off a loss against Marlon Moraes. Now, granted, it was a controversial loss, but here he had won three in a row. But he said to us in the fighter meeting he didn't want to wait. And I think a lot of us were surprised to see Jose Aldo matched up with Marab and not somebody like Dominic Cruz for whatever reason. And certainly this matchup maybe had more stylistic challenges than some others that he could have taken. Um, but as we spin this forward for Marab, like I would like to see your guy in a main event. I think his style over five rounds uh, I'd love really it. would play well. So I, I think that should be the focus. But uh, what do you think? I mean, it really doesn't have anything to do with Aljo because at least right now you're going to find yourself in a title eliminator main event type fight. Um, what do you think? I mean, is it Sandhagen if he beats Song Yudong? I mean, what what are your thoughts on Marab, the timeline? Feels like you could turn him around pretty quickly here after a pretty long I, layoff. I got to tell you, he is totally untouched in right. this fight. Like he, he, I think that was his, as far as physical abuse, that's his easiest fight he's had in a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he could fight Dominic Cruz, you know, but Cruz is on the mend, and Cruz, I don't think, would do a main event against Marab, at least right now. You know, they could do a main event with Cheeto and Marab in a title eliminator as we pull up the rankings here. You know, Dillashaw, obviously, is going to fight your guy for the belt. Sandhagen is going to fight Song Yadon. Piotr Jan is going to fight Sugar Sean O'Malley. You know, maybe you do a, a New York versus Boston thing, Rob Font versus May Rob Dwallace Willie in a main event, yeah. you know. I, but, look, he's going to want to stay busy. I'll tell you what, one other thing, too. Everybody was bitching about the altitude, you know, the out. I'll tell you one guy it didn't affect. <laughs> All right. I know. It's crazy. I, yeah, I, it is nuts, though. That guy would have, he would, I swear to that he could do for another 10 rounds because that's, yeah, yeah that's. And that, I actually no think you could argue on the altitude that it's either overstated or understated. You know, I'll tell you, Ken Flo, to me, it doesn't feel like Colorado bad, and it's not that high. Certainly, it isn't Mexico City, right, at all. Um, and at least for me, as a guy who's running four or five miles on a treadmill, I'll tell you, I was sweating more, um, but I didn't feel it in my lungs nearly the way I do when I go to Denver, I would, yeah. or whatever the hell. Listen, whatever that means, I agree with you 120%. My man! No, because I'll tell you, I said the same thing. I said that to Aljo. I go, Aljo, not for nothing. When I'm in Colorado, I walk up those stairs, I'm huffing and puffing. I don't feel a goddamn thing here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not an athlete. I'm fucking right. 64, but I would feel it. Trust me. I've been to a couple of places where I'm like, wow, this, you really feel that sucking on, on your, you know, into your lungs. So, but, I, so I don't know if it's Kenny? maybe where you came from. I don't know. Yeah. The, the greatest fight excuse of all time was when I fought Joe Lozon. Right. Uh, and Joe's a good kid. But <laughs> and I, mean, I was we there. Fought I fought him, yeah. I fought him in Denver, and he said, I, I would have beat Florian if it was at sea level. And I was like, wait, wait do you think I fought you at sea level? And, and you were uh, up at high altitude? Right. Like, we're all in the same boat here. Like, yeah. you know, and I think, listen, preparation's a big thing. Mental's, you know, mentally it's a big thing. I know, you know, genetics is a real thing, too. Everyone re reacts differently. But, like, out of all the guys on that card, if I was like, who's the guy that doesn't get tired or is least affected by it? I know it was going to be Marab. <laughs> like, that guy you know, mentally, physically was not going to be affected by any of that shit. Like, it's I will just, say, yeah, though, it's the way I will say he was very drained during fight week. Aljamain Sterling pulled me aside and said that Marab was having a little bit of a hard time with the added media grind. You know, normally yes. for our fighter meeting, he's outside waiting five minutes early. He was a little bit late. So um, it's not like he is 
completely bulletproof. Like I said on the broadcast, right? Like he fights as if he's another species. Like he's a right, not right. like a human being. Like he he's special, man. But, I, but Cody, I, what's the altitude in in, in uh, Salt it's Lake? It's like forty five hundred. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. so it is it is less than Denver. Okay. Yeah, yes. oh, and, it's less than, and yeah. less than and New as Mexico. a broadcaster, like yeah. I don't know at times how much to lean into it versus not. But Kenny, please don't get me started on Joe Lozon right now. I mean, he's still on the active roster. I still have to call Lozon's fight. So so don't don't start Yo, talking hold about on, wait, hold on, Colorado other, right now because wait, the, you know the other. I mean, if you want, I mean, you know, these guys fight in Boston in a couple of weeks if we really need to do this. You know, <laughs> wait, hold on, John. The other the other thing is Aljo. Had text me because I hope we didn't screw up with the altitude. I go, what is it? he said? Four thousand. Vegas is two thousand. So I look up New Mexico. It's like fifty seven hundred. So I go, I don't think we have to worry because in New Mexico, remember we didn't even tell them there was an altitude problem. We just sent them out there. <laughs> yeah, we we, yeah. we made a decision not even to bring it up because we right, probably screwed it up. I'm not even joking. So I said, yeah, I, think I think he's going to be good. I go, what I think he's going to be good. Yeah, he's a savage for sure. Ray, would you like to spend five minutes with us on Paolo Costa and Luke Rocco before you go, or would you like to go right now? No, I'm good. I'm good. You know, okay. like again, I saw I saw the fights in spurts, and honestly, okay. right. a, a lot of times I was laughing during it, which is yeah. horrible. I want to go back and look at it because people said it was a great fight, but I, you know, I saw exhaustion. I don't know what the hell I was looking at to be honest yeah. with you, but I was. I was right after Marab, so I didn't have a clear head. But, yeah, let's talk okay. about it. So, Ken Flo, you know, I was a little bit criticized for saying on the post-fight show that relative to his skill set that Luke Rockhold's career is a little bit rooted in underachievement. I said something to that end. You know, when Luke Rockhold beat Chris Weidman, I thought I was looking at a guy whose skill for skill was the best middleweight I had ever seen and just given all the grappling and striking credentials that he was going to go down as an all-time great. Um you know, I didn't mean to anything by it, you know. Um, what were your thoughts on the co-main event that ultimately went to Paolo Costa, 32-27 across the board? You could say anything about any fighter. There's going to be someone who criticizes right, you right. for saying it. But, no, I, I think that's fair. Absolutely, I think that's fair. Why? Because you think highly of Luke Rockhold's skills and his athleticism, and I do as well. I, I think that um, his career, while impressive, is underwhelming. I think he could have accomplished even more, um, you know, based on, you know, the, the guy he, you could, you could have Luke Rockhold do any sport and he's good at it. And I've heard about him on a skateboard and I've heard about him on yeah, a yeah, surfboard yeah. and I've heard about him playing basketball. Like he could do anything, you know, he, he's just that kind of a dude. He, he's built for athletics. Um, I think that um, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. I think he's made some, some, poor decisions during fights and he's always been susceptible to a left hook because of his lead right hand. He just tends to drop it all the time. I kind of tended to drop it as well as a Southpaw. You can do that a little bit. Um, but, uh, anyways, um, yeah, Luke, Luke was going to have those issues always unless he fixed that stuff. Um, and he showed a, an insane amount of heart in this fight against Costa that, that was never an issue. But yeah. he made some poor decisions. And again, being away from the fight game for that long was tough. I still think um, if you took if you took the individual parts aside from one takedown that he shot from like a mile away, if you take some of those technical aspects individually, he looked phenomenal. Very technically, way more technically sound than I've seen him in the past. Yeah. Clearly had the heart and desire to want to 
to keep fighting, but uh, obviously was affected by the altitude or maybe the lack of preparation. I don't know, Um, but uh, it was a a tough way to go out because it was just a brutal, it was a brutal fight for him. And and I think um, either time, age, uh, Paulo Costa, maybe a combination of all those things was a reminder that he probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. A brutal way to go out, perhaps, in terms of some of the damage sustained. But I think Laura Sanko suggested that he kind of needed to, like, get this out of his system. And I do think when he looks back at this, Kenny, like, not a terrible way to go out, all things considered. A fight of the night. Um, Certainly a memorable fight. I mean, I know, obviously, he didn't win and he didn't win a single round. You know, well, what does uh, she mean? What does she mean that she, he wanted to get that out of his well, system? Like, what does that I mean? don't you were obviously calling the PFL and yeah. doing a lot of different things. But, dude, did you like were you getting the sense of just how intense and angry Luke Rockhold was all week? Like, yeah. I think maybe she was thinking yeah. like he just needed to have this fight and have this war and exhale, you know, not necessarily having to do with wins or losses, you know. Right. Um, but he was just so angry all week. You know, and yeah. I didn't think he was going to be able to necessarily channel it in the right way. And I'm not sure that he was given this performance, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I OK, well, well, that's fair. I, I think um, it, it, it's possible. I should have to go out by taking all of that damage. But I, I think right, uh, right, certainly right. his emotions, his emotions were leading the way um, yeah, in, in for right. a lot of those decisions. Like, again. He knows better to not shoot away from 10 feet. Like right, he was right. trying to shoot from 10 feet away. He also, instead of, you know, calmly and methodically passing the guard, like we've seen him do oh, against yeah, other yeah. awesome grapplers like Weidman, he's spazzing through trying to just right. jump in the mouth. You're like, dude, yeah. you know, jujitsu doesn't work that way, right? Like right, you've right. Got, you're so much yeah. better than that. Why are you doing that? And what, and John, what makes that fight of the night? Well, even what Kenny just said, because when it hit the ground, I go, wow, he's going to submit him. Right? Well, There's no question in my mind. It, but like he said, that that's not Luke Rockhold's jiu-jitsu game. That guy's got a great MMA jiu-jitsu game. What made it a great fight? Well, fair point, right? So I remember like Anthony Smith was critical of Yuri Prohaska versus Glover Teixeira. Everybody's saying this is the fight of the year, and he's seeing both guys fight yeah, largely yeah. in a sloppy, undisciplined, untechnical way. So I go up to do the post-fight show, and Dean Thomas and Anthony Smith, you know, don't have anything really nice to say about Paulo Costa's performance, despite the fact that he just beat Luke oh. Rockhold, you know, in a wash 30 to 27. So I guess I hear some of what you're saying. Um, I'm not the expert here. Like I was impressed yeah. with Costa. So, yeah, no, I just, you know, even the whole thing was bizarre, but he didn't. I, I talked to Luke during the week. He seemed very chill to me. He didn't seem angry at all. He seemed, <laughs> I well, can't believe, I'm finding that hard to believe because he seemed, uh, even more outgoing than he normally was. And uh, I, I don't know. I just think, I think he said it, he's getting old. And I think you feel it, man. There is no, there was one time he got punched in the face. And again, I wasn't watching the whole fight. So yeah. I really don't, yeah. he got, it, it didn't even like, it didn't rock him. He was like, ouch. Like, that yeah, I know he did. Exactly. Yeah, he was yeah, like, right? oh, like, I'm like, me? and I'm he's going, like, man. Yeah. 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 What the fuck am I looking <laughs> at? I have no, fucking yeah. idea what i'm looking at and then when he was yeah. licking him or whatever he was doing oh, at the man. end with the blood what am i what was i like again yeah. i think but i think he was i think laura's i think laura Sanko is dead on whatever he had to get out of his system yeah i think he was accomplishing yeah. and it, it with everything but you know how that gets kenny you don't even get hurt it's like 
I don't want right. to get kicked in the leg anymore. This fucking <laughs> sucks. Leave me alone. This sucks. Go home. You know, yeah, it's exactly. not like you. You know, it's not like you're even going to stop. It's like you got to be fucking kidding me. My leg hurts. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what I was. That's what I was seeing. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, uh, congratulations on a big week for you getting Nas into the UFC and uh, Marab with a win over the all-timer yeah. Jose Aldo. I mean, when you can add a green stripe over Aldo to your resume, that's uh, listen. I think deal. Cody brought it up. We got wins over GSP, Anderson Silver, and Jose Aldo. I mean, who the fuck? I mean, what else? Wow. What do you guys want from me? What do you want from me? You know, if there was, hey, if there was like a real MMA Hall of Fame, Longo would go in as a coach, period. Oh, yeah. Like, I no, I'm I, nobody even no, knows I'm who serious. I am. But listen, wait, before we go, though, I got to shout out a couple, met a couple of nice people. Shout out to Steve. I'm going to screw his name of Far, Far, Farager, I think. He's one of the judges down there. What a sweet guy. Big fan of the show. You guys got to start respecting Thanks people at a. Put put <laughs> putting food on your table, and uh, the other thing I want to say: real, you and Matt Sarah must think this podcast makes hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't. I well, think don't, the first who, uh, off, came don't, up don't, to me is don't, ramen, don't, maybe. Don't, don't lump don't don't lump me in with him. You know, John. You know, I love uh, everything. You did cash right. the bigger check quicker than the. Uh, let me, oh, and thank you very uh, much. No, uh, let me tell you something. Thank you no, very much. Ahead. And by the oh, way, that man, that gentleman. Hey guys, we're up. killing it. We're killing it, Kenny. <laughs> That gentleman came up to me in the broadcast booth and said some nice things as well, I believe. If we're He's a sweetheart, this guy. So a lot of nice people in Salt Lake City. Shout out to that. And the other thing is I want to really, this is important, is that Marab really did his camp in, in uh, Nevada. I mean, I believe I know the guy like a book. When I got out, Aljo would send me, you know, uh, you know, the sparring tapes. And I trust Aljo implicit. I think in the future that guy's going to make a oh, yeah. great, great, great coach. He's such a huge asset to the team. Everybody looks up to him. I can't say enough good things about Aljo. I mean, I think he's really matured even more after the, getting the title. He conducts himself in the proper way, which I love. And uh, also a shout-out to John Wood for working with Marab. I thought he did a great job. I got to talk to him. And, you know, he was there with Jay Perrin, who I think is a great kid. What a great, a great third kid. round. Great kid. Great energy. Great third round. But – I want I want to say thank you to John Wood also for uh you know even listening to him talk he didn't try to change anything he just wanted to enhance what he was doing and he did a good job and uh, I want to say thank you to that because you know I felt like you know like when I got there it was everything was great and Marab's Marab's gonna do what he's gonna do it's like I go to I everybody what's the game plan just complete chaos that's yeah, oh, just oh. complete <laughs> chaos but uh but shout out to those guys they did a great job. And it's uh, good to know that they're in good hands when I'm not around. Big things, my man. Stay healthy. We need another yeah. good 10 years out of you as a coach. Oof, that's, so. that's asking a lot. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, congrats. Right, Enjoy the rest it. of the week. Thanks for the yeah. extended time. Great week. Great night. We got it right. No Kurt doubt Watson. about it. And I'm just messing with Sarah. It's all love at the end of oh, the day. Yeah. Lubricate. I'm Don't agitate. Lubricate. No, no. Don't no. Agitate. What a, lubricate. <laughs> Don't <laughs> agitate. That's right. what that's what she said. Take it easy. <laughs> Every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Kenny, were you there with me May 18th, 2013, Jada Sul when Luke Rockhold made his UFC debut against Vitor Belfort? I don't I know if it was we called, Stan. We, was, call, okay. we called that fight, my friend. How dare you? How dare I know. you? Yeah, I know. I, I got, Bri- I got, I'm going to Brian Stan's wedding. Brian, that's an insult to you as well because he <laughs> yeah. remembers nothing about you and nothing about me. All right, I know. I'm insulting Gosh. my guys right there. All right, so so for Luke Rockhold, you know, Strikeforce middleweight title, 
belt at home, defended a couple times, has an undisputed UFC championship. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people who can't lay claim to having belts on the mantle. But 11 UFC fights in the career of Luke Rockhold, 6-5 and five in the UFC. 6-5 and five in the UFC. Wow. You know what I, mean? I, that, I I was not aware that... You know, I mean, Kempflo is 75... Ken Flo's winning percentage, 75% in the UFC, and none of those two or three Ultimate Fighter wins are on his resume. I'm just saying. Um, but Paulo Costa, I think enigmatic, right? Like people, like my experiences with him obviously maybe cloud my opinion, um, but he's been so gracious with us. Like when you see him shake the Octagon girl's hands, like that's who he is. He's not like putting on. He's a really, really genuine guy. And there have been a lot of circumstances in his career that have given people a chance to criticize him, whether it was the, the Marvin Vittori fight happening at a catchweight or the sleeping issues that led to him pounding wine the night before the Adesanya fight, which sounded like an yeah. excuse to people. I'm just saying when he's right physically and mentally, he's so tough. I mean, he's been hit with absolute bombs by Romero and Rockhold. The dude doesn't even flinch. Like, I do think he has a lot of championship qualities and metal. I guess I just wanted a little bit from you on Paulo Costa um, in terms of where you think he's at now, his ceiling, before we move on. John, first of all, there's a lot of guys that would love to shake the hands of the, of the Octagon girls, okay? That doesn't make <laughs> him a good person. No, no, no. No, yeah. listen, I, I think you're I think you're right, and I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think Paulo Costa, um, you know, he has mixed reviews because some of the things he has said after a fight or leading into a fight, missing weight, things like that. But this is a phenomenal fighter when he's on, dude. He is athletically very, very gifted. He came into this fight and really showed his true potential. And, you know, again, say what you will about Luke Rockhold, but Rockhold was motivated and trying to win this fight with every ounce of his being. Paulo Costa was just better. He just was. I mean, even on the wrestling aspects and even on the ground, which was the one aspect you thought, hey, that's where Luke Rockhold wins this fight. Paulo Costa showed what he can do when he comes in motivated, when he trains hard, and when he does his homework. Um, and, I, and I was really impressed, man. He was hitting Luke Rockhold with some brutal shots. His counter-wrestling was on point. That single leg, or the, or the couple of single legs and takedowns that he hit against Luke Rockhold, I thought were beautiful. Um, and and the groundwork, he was, he was, he was all over Luke, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was really impressed. And what it made me was, it, it made me more excited to see more of Paulo Costa and made me excited to see that Paulo Costa, should he get another shot at the belt. And if yeah. it's that guy, watch out. Big things and can beat a lot of people in that division. And maybe, just maybe, even get a belt. Ken Flo, were you able to see any of the prelim portion? We're going to get to the PFL here in a little bit. No, I didn't, okay. unfortunately, man. So I, I just wanted to point out, uh, Marcin Tabora handed Alexander Romanov his first pro MMA loss, first loss in the UFC. Tabor was a big underdog. It was a majority decision, 29-28 times two, and then 28-28. This fight should have been a draw. Round one absolutely okay. was a 10-8 for Romanov. And at least one of those two judges who uh, who had that third round 10-9. I know if they could go back, they probably would have gone 10-8. And I just think we have to give these judges the freedom to be more liberal with these 10-8s because we've scaled back and we're going in reverse. And, uh, you know, that fight just seemed very clear to me that the first round was a dominant, dominant 10-8. And then Tabora even the score with two 10-9s. 
I was know? really curious about what how that fight was going to go down. I remember yeah. reading the write-up of it, and that was one of the questions I had for you today is what you thought of that first round because it seemed like, by all accounts, it should have been a 10-8. Yeah. And again, wow. we're sort of going backwards. We're regressing a little bit. I do think we'll get back to where we need to do. But yeah. I think some of it just has to uh, has to be just fall on the judges to just try to um, just be a little bit more bold because in their heart they know that that is what is right. Um, yeah. But congratulations to uh, to Marcin Tabora nonetheless. Congratulations to uh, to Jared Gordon and Angelosa and Tyson Pedro, Lucia Pudilova, Victor Altamirano, the Mexican, getting the bonus in the first fight of the night. Big things at UFC 278. And uh, in closing, I would just say the magnitude of a fight between Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman in the UK. It's going to be one of the biggest fights in UFC history. Um, Joe Rogan hasn't done an international pay-per-view in a long, long time, and uh, we were able to get him to commit to that show on the broadcast. All right, I did not see the PFL, but I want to get your thoughts on on Brendan Lochnane and Chris Wade and Kayla Harrison a little bit. Seemed like a great war of words between Brendan Lochnane and Chris Wade, a great backdrop for this fight. And uh, I guess it wasn't particularly close, 30 to 27 times three for Lochnane. Which was very surprising to a lot of people just because two things. Chris Wade has had, up to that point, the best season of his career. Uh, and Brendan Lochnane did not have a very good season. Right, He's right. been dealing with a lot of injuries, just looked flat his first couple of fights, really had to push through some adversity to get it done. And it just wasn't really that impressive. Chris Wade has been you know, finishing guys. It looks like he's just firing on all cylinders, looked better than ever. Uh, and then he goes up against a guy in Brendan Lochnane, and and they do not like each other. They've been talking shit to each other on social media. Like if this was legit, they did not like each other. I haven't heard that it was possible that one of one of the people associated with Brendan Lochnane was even knocking on Chris Wade's door, uh, you know, late wow. into the morning or early into the morning to kind of get him. Up. So these like, the teams didn't like each other. The fighters didn't like each other. And Lochnane was back in um, back in Great Britain with everyone watching, and man, he pulled off a performance of a lifetime. He just looked phenomenal, man, everywhere. It was just a very impressive performance. He's onto the championship for the first time ever, uh, and looking really, really good in the process. I would like to give Kayla Harrison a spot on this podcast monthly. You know, Kayla's corner, fucking <laughs> Queen Kayla, whatever you. I I just love to hear her talk in short form, in long form. I just think she is electricity on a microphone the way she deadpans the way she walks away and then comes back to the interviewer um five fucking yeah. stars for kayla but the fight i did not see so what do you have for us on kayla harris yeah so kayla kayla was just uh, again looked phenomenal um uh, you know she does she did what she does um she went out there uh got a hold of her threw her on the ground got on top and just beat her up man um uh, just uh, just a, another classic Kayla Harrison performance. Um, Kayla is looking as dominant as ever. Uh, there was some talk about maybe uh, her knees be, or one of her knees being injured. She came in with uh, wraps on her knees for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, and she just seemed irritated all week. Um, so but it didn't it did not matter. Uh, yeah. She is she is so good. Um, and I tell you, her opponent, uh, Larissa Pacheco, is looking phenomenal as well. Has to be in the conversation as one of the, if yeah. not the hardest hitting woman right now in the sport. She is, she is a beast right now. So uh, I think after that, man, 
uh, I don't know. We got to start talking about maybe some super fights, uh, yeah. including, uh, you know, who I think is still the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. Yeah. No, I got to see that. And yeah, Pacheco, really a different fighter than she was in the UFC. And I remember the first time I met Kayla Harrison in a fighter meeting, she was there with Anthony Rocco Martin, uh, whom she used to date. And I just remember thinking, this woman has the most phenomenal energy that I have like ever been around, even then. It's like I was so drawn to her. You know, I'm sure our listeners are going to think, dude, easy, Anik, you're fucking married. <laughs> Is she single, by the way, Ken Flo? No. Um, all right. Yeah, man. I got to go get some fucking sleep or some food in my system. We're going to close it out with the Marrow seconds as we bring on our executive producer, Cody Marrow. What's up, kid? Hello. Thanks for giving me the middle spot today, huh? Did I earn it? Yeah, it's because of the star. You know, you're the star of the (laughs) program. By the the way, I can't tell you how many people came up to me with the PFL or otherwise who are just like, dude, and random. It just coming up to you first thing. Dude, Anik, Anik's just amazing, man. We we oh. I, I love John. I love John. Like they're just nonstop. So many people just going off about you, dude. So you know when someone says something nice about you and they have nothing to gain, or they're just coming up just to start to. That's when you know you're good and you're having an impact on people, man. So uh, I just wanted to mention that to you. Well, thank you, buddy. That uh, that really means a lot. Thank you, man. And I get the same, obviously, for you all the time. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. someday, some way, some, some, somehow, some way, we're gonna call a fight uh, together again. Cody Merrow, what's up, kid? I can't wait for that day, and I'll be in the ear. It'll just be the three of us. <laughs> It'll be great. Wishful thinking. You know what's kind of cool? Legs, but who cares? You know what's kind of cool in terms of in the ear when when my twin brother comes by himself to the UFC events. Um, our audio guys will give him a pack and not only does he get to hear the broadcast in his ear, Kenny, but he gets to hear everything traffic wise that the truck says to me. So basically they give him my fee, right? So in the, however rare instance, and maybe it's not so rare where I do get yelled at or some, you know, um, my brother would hear them be like, dude, Anik, what are you doing, bro? You missed the fucking Modelo read. Come on, man. (laughs) Jay's like, fight? Like, come on, you go so my bro. Yeah, Jay's do. like, oh, gotta put God. the fucking pack down and go into the truck. Is there a problem here, fellas? Because yeah, <laughs> that, I actually wish fans could hear. Like, you know, I've heard truck traffic before. Like, it changes your life. Like, I can't watch an ESPN it's- desk show without hearing a traffic, like phantom traffic in my ear. So it definitely changes your life. Yeah, people have no idea. Cody, uh, what do you have UFC 278 bonuses. You said went to Leon Edwards and Victor Altamirano. Uh, fight of the night, Costa Rockhold, obviously. Um, I thought it was, Costa. I thought it was deserving Costa. Yeah. Sorry. I too much Dan Haley on the pre-show saying it wrong <laughs> by osmosis. Um, Dan, buy some bigger <laughs> pants, dude. Like, what are you doing? You're stealing Laura's pants. Out alone. <laughs> uh, Titans suck. Uh, Edwards finished at four Oh four in the fourth latest finish in UFC championship history happened wow. just nine months after Jiri's win over Glover, which was four thirty two into round five. So uh crazy year in combat sports. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, and John, just to added point on that. So you said on the broadcast that you really didn't catch that. So like, how does that happen from a, take us through like your point of view in sure. that moment. So I wasn't looking down, but in that moment, I said something to the tune of, yeah, but that is not the cloth from which Leon is cut. I mean, his legendary looks so just a dude, legendary It was call. amazing. The timing on it too was just Oh, well, we got lucky, right? But so I, right afterwards, you sort of hear me say, I mean, his, so I, I quickly glanced at the corner, right? 
And as I was about to say, I mean, the corner, you know, because we have the blue corner to our immediate right, you know, so oftentimes I am looking at that direction, even to cheat it for a tenth of a second. And when I turn back around, what I basically saw was Kamara Usman in like that catcher stance, right? So I knew obviously it was Leon. I knew that it was a kick of some kind, but I didn't see the kick right as it happened. But that happens way more than you think. Now, you hope it doesn't happen on you know, one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history. But uh, that's why maybe my call was no way instead of, you know, well, head I, kick. That's what everyone was thinking, though. You know, like, well, right. Another 56 seconds go by and everyone's like, oh, yeah, ho hum. Usman won that decision. No shit. Leon never gets a title shot again. It's just like crazy how quickly the, like you said, the, the path of somebody's life can just change immediately. And, you know, Leon yeah. Edwards is going to celebrate a birthday here in a couple of days. So yeah. hell of a birthday week. I almost missed Askren getting knocked out by Jorge Masvidal. You know, this fight clock is brought to you by Modelo. And it, I, mean, I literally was a beat away from missing that one. So, yeah, well, I, it, sorry. It happened to me. Like I, I was watching the fight. I looked down to check like something on my phone and all of a sudden I hear you. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? I look up and Usman's knocked out. I'm like, what just happened? Like, Literally what just happened, and I'm up for four hours with adrenaline because I can't go to sleep. Sounds like our truck, too. Lappy and Zach, those guys maybe might have missed it as well because at that stage of the fight, I think Zach had made the decision to kill some content on the back end, maybe like a Rockhold Costa conversation that we would have in that working man shot at the end of the pay-per-view. And as he kills that content, everybody looks down at their format to make a note, and boom. So, you know, happens. What a crazy sport, huh? Uh, Marab's win over Aldo was just the seventh straight in the division. His teammate and brother, Aljamain Sterling, is the only one that is with that same record in the fanboy division. Is it, is it eight? Eight wow. and two since dropping his first two in the UFC. I mean, fucking A. Champ, champ. That's It's very interesting. And I thought I found myself, I know they've talked about it before. They're not going to fight. And Marab has, talk, has talked about going down. I found myself thinking that during the fight. I don't know how he'd do it physically, but. Maybe like he's not fighting a guy. He's not fighting a flyweight. He'd cut off a limb to do it though, and still be fine. I don't know how long Aljamain Sterling is for the game, as I have said before. You know, I don't know if that he's going to have more than four more fights. And I do think that uh, if Marab was clearly the number one contender in this loaded division, and Aljo was the champion, you know, at that point they would have to figure something out. You know, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Marab just keep plucking off contenders until uh, you know. He's going to Marab. I wouldn't be surprised if Marab fights, you know, deep into his thirties, you know? So, uh, he's like the, the assassin, like the, the handyman for Aljo. He's like, you just go deal with my light work. Yeah. 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 Right. That's a good way um, to put it. What else? So you, you mentioned it, uh, in the kind of the end of the show there, but Jared Gordon, uh, great win outlanded Leo Santos by 80 strikes. He was 116 for 174, 66%. Great performance. Arguably the best That's performance awesome. of his career. And, you know, I just love what he's doing on social media. So go over and follow Jared flash Gordon, you know, huge mental health advocate. Uh, you know, he's struggled with addiction before, and that's something else that he literally he'll give his number out to people struggling with addiction to help. Yeah. Him out. So, yep. so just great. a really selfless guy. A I really dude. love Jared. Hell yeah. Um, glad that you acknowledged him. Oh, of course. And then one thing that did come from that, you know, I, I would never watch a, a secondary commentary ever because I love John Anik so much. You know, if there was just a John Anik feed, that's what I would watch if I could cut oh. out everybody else. Oh, guys, come on. But on the secondary commentary, Dana White dropped some news that he oh, essentially did you hear brokered. this, Ken Flo? No. 
Oh, fuck. Thank okay. you, Cody. Thank so you. Da- so Dana goes on to this thing with Gronk and Gronk was like, hey, you want to talk about like how me and Brady almost went to Vegas? And Dana's like, I mean, no, I really shouldn't. But yeah, I guess so. So Dana said that he essentially brokered the Brady and Gronk to Vegas deal. All the rumors about Brady looking for houses were absolutely true. All of that was correct information. And then Gruden axed the deal at the last second. Dang. Wow. I mean, so that you're real- talking about before he went over to Tampa Bay. Exactly. Before he went to the Buccaneers. Wow. And the Raiders seemed like a great landing spot and seems like Dana was able to figure it out with Mark Davis and the particulars involved, Mark Davis being the Raiders owner, and that John Gruden blew up the deal. Just crazy. Because Tampa Bay, while in Florida, did seem a little bit like an outlier play for Brady, right? And the Vegas with the West Coast connection, Brady's omnipresent at these UFC events. His family is out West. He's from there. You know, I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. But um, yeah, obviously Dana White's power does not uh, is not just exclusive to the UFC. Absolutely incredible. Well, bo- both income tax havens too. So, you know, Tom Brady don't mess around. That's, That's true. right. Um, so the last thing coming out out of the event was the announcement of Tony Ferguson versus the Leech at UFC 279. So Tony Ferguson, one seventy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. My twin brother was not going to be at UFC 279, and I said, "Hey, dude, if Tony Ferguson fights a wel- welterweight in the co-main event, will that get you to Vegas?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll pr- probably come now." You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Nice shot of injection into the fight card for sure. And, and then uh, if you go last, last point, uh, UFC fight pass posted probably the best post fight interview of all time. I'm not going to play it, but you got to go look at it. Um, I don't even know the guy's name, but if you watched it, you're going to love my outro. Am I canceled yet.com. Oh man. Am I canceled yet.com. All right. I'm going to go check that out. I actually think maybe you could argue the best post fight interview now, uh, in UFC history is Leon Edwards. Because, man, did he maximize that moment. We congratulate Leon and Dave Lavelle, the entire team. I haven't called a fight in the U.K. since 2013, and uh, I am hopeful that uh, I will get to do so uh, at some point in 2023. Thank you to our guests, Nas and Longo, coming on today. Thank you all for the kind words about the podcast. And every time a fan stops me or Kenny and says that they listen to this podcast, I can assure you it means a whole lot to us, you know, um, because we've been showing up doing the show every Monday for, you know, almost eight years. And uh, it really is a great, you know, sort of conduit for us to get with all of you. And it makes us feel connected to all of you. So thank you so much. Thanks to our producer, Cody Merrow. Ken Flo, welcome home. Enjoy some time off. And we will talk to you in six days or fewer. Until then, yo fucking later.
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.